0: welcome to connect canyons a podcast sponsored by canyon school district this is a show about what we teach how we teach and why we get up close and personal with some of the people who make our schools great students teachers principals parents and more we meet national experts too learning is about making connections so connect with us
1: Welcome to Connect Canyons. I'm your host, Kirsten Stewart, and I'm here today with two digital teaching and learning experts to discuss a topic that gets a lot of attention in our schools, and that is technology. Uh, In Canyons District, we teach and model digital safety and citizenship every day in our classrooms, and our goal really is to empower students to use technology responsibly, but more than that, we want them to use it to create, investigate, collaborate, analyze and we view parents as you know really valuable partners in this endeavor. So again, here with us today are two uh, teacher specialists who support teachers and parents in this work, Katie Gephardt and Jonathan Stewart. Welcome to Connect Canyons. Thanks.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah. So maybe let's start by having you introduce yourselves. Tell me a little bit about um, how long you've been in education and kind of what what is you know a teacher specialist? What's your role?
0: Great. I'm Katie Gephardt. I work in the Instructional Supports Department here at Canyons. I'm a digital teaching and learning specialist, and I've been in education for 17 years. I started out as a high school teacher, and then I was an instructional coach in Canyons, and now in ISD, I work with digital citizenship, as well as a couple of other projects in our department. Wonderful.
2: Yep. And I'm Jonathan Stewart. I am a teacher specialist, DTL specialist, PBIS, a behavior specialist, And on and on and on. My my 22nd year in education. Wow. My background is actually not as a teacher. My background is as a school psychologist. Okay. So I worked in that, doing a special education for a long time. But I also did a lot of work in working with positive behavior and trying to get a good school climate and culture. And um, it was in that role that I ended up coming to Canyon several years ago. And I feel like a lot of these issues around digital citizenship and understanding that there's a lot of crossover with what we see with students, mental health, how they comport themselves, how we set a good culture. We, this is kind of the evolution of that, but in the technology world. So that's kind of why it's a good passion of mine.
1: Sure. Oh, great. Great fit. Yeah, all very important things. Well, thank you for being here again. So let's start by maybe talking about some of the tips and tools that we use in our classrooms to help students build and maintain healthy relationships with technology.
2: Sure. Um, some of the tools that we use, um, we, have, we have several tools that we use to try and like monitor and keep track of what students are doing. So we have a program called Land School that's used by all our teachers. In fact, usually we'll, have, uh, we'll, we'll be in some sort of meeting or professional development or, or opportunity where teachers are outside of the classroom, and um, I'll notice that a teacher's pulled up what their class is doing. So it actually helps to keep them on track, but it does more than that. It helps them to limit screen times, kind of turn it off. Um, They can limit access to certain websites or push out websites that they want the students to use. Um, We, of course, have, like, Content Keeper and the district filters and things like that. Um, Oh, I'm forgetting something.
0: Well, another piece would just be our curriculum that we have in our k-8 schools with thrive time and then also in our high schools through our digital citizenship week just to promote that positive use of technology in addition to the other tools that are um, used by our classroom teachers yeah Mm -hmm. and
2: that's more of the teaching element Um, and we try and give tips and tricks we also have digital citizenship coordinators that will um, send messages out to parents but also do trainings with faculty and staff to try and Um, help give ideas for ways to integrate technology in a positive way, but also um, be careful of, you know, maybe some dangerous things or ways to kind of curb excessive technology use.
1: Sure, sure. And, I mean, really, technology is not going to replace a teacher, right? Teachers Mm -hmm. are using technology to, you know, advance education, help students collaborate on a project, or even Mm -hmm. a question, right, in the classroom, or perform a math equation, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. It, it is pretty pervasive, though, and schools can't do it alone. You know, really, parents are a big part of this equation. Um, and, you know, speaking as a parent myself, I can attest to how difficult it is to help your kids manage their screen time and kind of put guardrails on things. And recently, you two did a, a workshop um, for parents uh, just about the, that very topic. I think it was probably one of the more popular Canyoneering Academy events ever, Um what is it about this subject that makes it so top of mind for people right now?
0: I think for a lot of parents, myself included, I sometimes struggle with with managing my screen time and balancing my cell phone use. And I think that other parents are feeling the same, that they feel that struggle themselves. So therefore, it can be kind of difficult when you see your kid struggling with it and maybe they're letting go of some homework that they need to be working on to play a game and mm-hmm. so they're seeing it at home but we as parents we also don't have a great many of us don't have a great frame of reference of seeing this from our parents because technology was very different I got my first cell phone I think I was starting college so yeah, yeah I didn't have a parent at home telling me how to use it and so we don't have a great frame of reference from our parents showing us how to do it so it It's kind of new territory for some of us in in how to handle this with our children. That's a great point. And, I mean, these little
1: things are ubiquitous, right? And Mm -hmm. and it's, like, constantly wanting my attention. In fact, I have it right here during our interview. And, (laughs) you know, like, to your point, we didn't grow up with it. And so we're learning. And we're learning on the fly because everything's changing so fast. Every time I turn around, there's something else wanting my attention on that little device. Mm -hmm. What do we know about screen time? Um, What do we know about how much time kids are spending on screens? And then, you know... Is, is all screen time created equal? Is there good versus bad screen time? Talk about that a little bit.
2: Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, some of the, some of the st- statistics that we talked about um, when we had that canyoneering night, and I think they're interesting things to really note. So Common Sense Media, who we'll talk about a couple times, we're a Common Sense Media certified district. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, do a, they do a lot. They provide curriculum. That's where we get our information that we, we teach the kids about how to use technology responsibly. But they also do research. And some of the re- most recent research, so this is from 2023, so this is from last year, mm-hmm. said that f- for kids between the ages of 11 and 17, the majority spent three to four hours on their phone a day. Wow. That sounds and like a lot. that's our range. Okay. So some of them spent less, and some of them were much more. But then um, I think the statistic that both of us found really alarming, especially because we're both parents... Um, is that over half of teens were on their phones overnight. And overnight means on a school night between the hours of midnight and 5 a.m.
1: Oh, goodness. So, so at th- some point in that stretch in, of time. In
2: some point in that stretch of time, they either pick up their phone or notice a notification. And that's a lot of interrupted sleep, which leads to mental health mood regulation problem.
1: So that seems like one area, kind of a low-hanging fruit area, where parents could actually make a difference. I mean, something as simple as saying to your children, you know what, I want you to check in the device here at the central place mm-hmm. in the home during night after 10 o'clock. We're not on our devices. I'm not on my devices. You know, yep. As a family, we've agreed to
2: that. Yeah, that is a great place to start. You charge your phone overnight, have it in a central location, and, and then you know at least you're not asleep. And also usually... In those hours, probably the less healthy behaviors are happening, and so you avoid some of those as well.
1: Yeah. My mom used to always say, nothing good happens after 10 Mm o'clock.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) Yep.
1: So, Katie, talk to me about, though, the difference of screen time. Right? We kind of touched on that. I
0: always like to connect it to food. I I said that I was a high school teacher, and I actually taught foods, and one thing that we did in our foods class was talk about the MyPlate. It's an update to the food guide pyramid. And the reason I like relating screen time to food is because – it would be absolutely ridiculous if I said, you can have as many Twinkies as you want, <laughs> as long as you eat them within one hour. <laughs> yeah. But with screen time, a lot of times we do, that conversation gets posed in that way. Like so many minutes a day is, is okay. But really there's a lot more to the conversation. We have to think about how they're using screen time. Do, are they getting balance? And just like with food, there are some instances where we make some exceptions. If I'm going to be in the car for 8 hours for a road trip, I'm probably going to have more screen time just like I'm going to have a piece of cake when it's my birthday. Yeah. But having those conversations to think about is it active or passive? So many much of the research that recommended A a number of minutes from 20 years ago for screen time was based on TV viewing. Mm. And with that TV viewing, if you think about it, it was very passive. They just watch, they're consuming, and that's it. Technology used today can be a lot more active. Students are creating, they're communicating with others, they're collaborating with people to create these awesome things. So it's much more active. And that makes a a huge difference in what the quality of that screen time is. So sure. we always recommend focusing more on quality rather than quantity. Is there a recommended balance? Like,
2: I mean, it, it, it's kind of, again, it's similar to like, is there a recommended ba- balance with food? Like you want to, you probably want to have something that's more active and more engaging, but also like, like Katie said with the junk food, like um, Fortnite for a 10 year old is very active and engaging, but, Maybe not necessarily the same quality as as say um oh, I, you know as say calling your grandma who lives in a state away uh, and having a conversation
1: yeah read or having to read a book or something
2: or right something, yeah. right or or maybe or maybe having read a book, engaging in a, a community that's talking about um more about the book and <laughs> story building beyond the book and that sort of thing okay. um so th- and that's where I think parents need to kind of figure out like in education, we talk about it as high education and low education value, but I would say more high quality content versus low quality content. Um, that's actually why one of the things that we do is we rec- we recommend to parents that, uh, reach out to resources and make sure to research and know what your child may be using and consuming. We recommend common sense because they have a very comprehensive library mm-hmm. and it covers books, magazines, uh, podcasts, television shows, streaming services. I mean, you name it in the media realm. Mm-hmm. They, gaming even. Yeah. Gaming, mm-hmm. games, apps. Um, they can kind of tell you. And what they do is they look at different categories of things. So you can kind of make an informed decision as a parent. What level of profanity? Are there positive role models? How inclusive is the material? Um, so both like the appropriateness of the content, but they also like, is it sending a good message? Is it too commercialized? Um, Those are some of the factors that it looks at. So that that can kind of help guide parents on whether something is digital junk food or maybe more digital vegetables. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Have a little bit of both, right? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and then, so how, I mean, what does that look like? What does that conversation look like with parents, do you think? Helping them focus more on quality than quantity.
0: I think in many ways it's an ongoing conversation. I like to model things as I do it. So, for instance, I might say, like, hey, can you put in this address for this place we're going? I don't want to use my phone while I'm driving. Oh, yeah. Or just as you are making those positive Choices in your everyday life, you're narrating them out loud to demonstrate that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You are showing balance, and you're making those choices. Mm-hmm. With balance, can go a long way.
2: Yeah, and I think just actually being up front and having a conversation um, uh, with your children, but I think as a family, and I think being vulnerable to include yourself as the adult in the conversation. Obviously, um, you know there are things meant for children, there are things meant for teens, and things meant for adults. So not everything needs to necessarily fall on that spectrum. But I think, like we were talking about with the cell phones earlier, um, uh, there's some research that we actually looked at and shared that talks about, they looked at if a parent has what they rated themselves as excessive use of cell phones, Mm -hmm. becomes a bigger conflict and much more difficult for them to then try and have limits with their children on their cell phone use. I mean, it's a pretty obvious study. It was actually done in Austria.
1: Looks a little hypocritical,
2: right? Right. And And so I think including ourselves in the conversation of, you know what? I am putting my phone down at the table, and we're all going to put our phones down at the table so we can actually look each other in the eye and talk about things. Um, But I think those are honest conversations that need to be had and talking about is this appropriate, is this not, or maybe... What are some of the alternatives? I think oftentimes if we get into the fight about yes/no on certain things, and don't give alternatives, that's where that's where it can become a problematic thing. Sure. But if if we're talking about like, okay, you know, after an hour, like, what are we going to do? Are we going to read a book? Are we going to go out down the street and play with a friend? Are we going to um, ride our bikes? Or do something physically active? Yeah. Having talking about those range of choices, but weaving in screens into that so that it's part of the whole conversation.
1: So it's kind of like, it's more of like a philosophy or approach, right? Mm -hmm. That you have as a family and you talked about the family media plan. Talk about that. That sounds kind of like putting that philosophy into a framework that everyone can like turn to, right? When they have questions about technology use.
0: Definitely. So with our, family media plan, we have some examples that, that can kind of get you started as a parent on our family connection site oh, great. on, on canyonsdistrict.org. But to in general, it's the who, what, where, when, why, and how of technology. So who should I be communicating with? What should I be doing with my device? So it's kind of those conversation starters that you can have as a family of what your expectations are. Mm-hmm. And then it sets a basis for all the conversations that come up or issues that might come up. So when you do notice that maybe your child is doing their homework or not doing their homework, you can say, hey, remember how we talked about balance? And And it's appropriate for you to use your device for these things, but we're going to do it after homework because that's something we set up in our family media plan. It just gives that connection that you can come back of. This was an agreement that we made all together I always recommend that the family media plan is created w- at, with the whole family. So sure. you just sit down, have a conversation, mm-hmm. and try to agree on some expectations that are set in your family culture.
1: Well, let's be honest. Like Sometimes kids know a heck of a lot more about the technology that they're using than I do, right? So, yeah, absolutely. it's important to have that back and forth.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and it doesn't have to be – it can be a kind of an ongoing conversation that's going to change as the child gets older. For example, my youngest is 14. Um when, I, when we say the word homework with her, it's going to involve using a screen. It's going to involve using a device. But we've had to have conversations about where are you using it? Because if you're using it in a, in a more public space, not in your room, then I am able to kind of supervise and have more of a make sure that you are using it for homework and not for some of the other things you like okay. to do. So on in the, the screen. kitchen or something. Yeah, in the yeah. kitchen, in the living room. Um, maybe have maybe say I need to make sure your sound is up, so you know if they're listening to music while they're working, or if they're watching cat videos on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> not saying that's ever happened before.
1: <laughs> well, and I know as a district too that um, we have we have created some tools for parents to sort of assist them with like the monitoring of their child's screen time. Um, browsing habits on the internet, that kind of thing. Um, We recently just launched a couple of tools, um, one being (laughs) parents can submit, like if there's a website that they're concerned about they think should be blocked for all children Mm -hmm. district-wide, they can submit that URL to us. That's one example. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, too, that if you feel uh, your child really does have a hard time sort of – Self policing their browsing habits, and you're really worried about it, you can actually uh, further put, place them on a lower sort of or a, t- a tighter form of restriction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and then we also, I, th- I believe, talk to me about how every device, every Chromebook that we check out, and we only check them out to middle schools and high school students, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but every device keeps a record of
0: the browsing history, cri- correct? And parents mm-hmm. can check that mm-hmm. at any time. Many times I recommend having that sharing of passwords part of your mm-hmm. family media f- agreement oh, okay. that you make yeah. of like what expectations are there for sharing passwords. For our parents and Canyons, they have access to the passwords in their parent Skyward account. So they are able to sign in as the student mm-hmm. and view any browsing history uh, of their student okay. at any time.
1: And I know we've got a lot of great resources in the Parent Connections page. We're going to link to those in the show notes, but yeah, continue. I didn't mean to. Yeah,
2: I, I think, but I think along with just looking at the browsing history and things like that, I think understanding how notification management works can be really critical. Another another fact from all the same research that we had mm-hmm. is that um, the average student, average child between the ages 11 and 17 gets. 237 notifications a day. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, And that is average. There's less and there's more. So understanding how and when you get notified for apps, it can happen through a Chromebook. This generally happens on a phone, but how you can control those notifications, um, understanding that there are do not disturb settings that you can set on your phone or focus time, um, scheduling those in so those happen. Um, going into different apps and saying I don't like, uh, you know, when we were doing our presentation, we we started looking through and going, wait, what am I getting notified that I don't really want anymore as yeah. a as, as an adult? Sure. Um, and um, I don't know if you remember, there's a KSL story a couple of years ago where they they looked at the average number of notifications in the classroom. I did see that. Yeah, Yeah, it was over five five thirty seven, five over five hundred 500 or six hundred. Right, 600. so students
1: are sitting in class and their phones just going off in their pocket. Uh
2: huh. And it wasn't always from other kids. Sure. It was from parents and things too.
1: Yeah. Or a doctor appointment or who knows, right? Who like knows? Like yeah. Calendar. Yeah.
2: Well, or more like game notifications. <laughs> <laughs> I'd throw that in. Uh, so, so again, I think that's another thing that parents can absolutely do is go in and let's – and that could be part of the conversation you would have with your kids. Like what are the notifications you're getting and which ones are helpful and which ones are annoying and which ones are distracting and kind of setting up uh, – because you can set up rules on different devices on managing those notifications. So, like, if you have a scheduled time for homework, mm-hmm. let's let's make sure that you have a focus time built in so that you don't get those notifications, don't get distracted when you're trying to work.
1: Um, well, this is great. It's been fantastic advice. Anything else you want to add that I've overlooked? Um, was there something from the Canyonering Academy that just you felt like was really struck, struck home with parents?
0: I would just say – Um, With that family media plan and with talking about balance with your kids, I think a great activity for our older kids is just asking them to write down what are the ways that you use your screens or what do you use your screens for, and then start classifying those. Are those active or passive? And are they a good quality? Are they a good use of your time? Are they helping you meet your goals? And then when you have that, it helps to identify how am I doing with balance and then it's easier to have those conversations later, even as an adult of like, oh, Candy Crush is really pulling me in lately. <laughs> I need to do better. And it, when you're modeling it yourself, it's easier to have those conversations with kids about their balance. Sure.
2: Yeah, and and I think again, just that ongoing conversation. It was very it was very interesting in the canyoneering night because we had several families there. They mm-hmm. actually came with their kids, and as oh. we're posing these questions, you could see all the looks around each other, <laughs> like, "Yeah, we need to talk about that." But it wasn't just the parents saying that; it was some of the kids saying that too. Sure. So you know, just having that, I, I think, just making it an open conversation and an ongoing conversation. You can set up notification settings and kind of look at a browsing history once. But if it's a regular part of your conversation, then I think your kids are also going to be more comfortable to talk to you about what's going on in their electronic world.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, that's, a really, that's really important advice. And like you said, I think that we could all be a little bit more thoughtful about how yeah. we're using technology, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks again for being here. Um, thanks to, to the audience. so. Uh, You've been with us today at Connect Canyons. If you have any ideas for future subjects you'd like us to tackle or if you have questions, don't hesitate to reach us at communications at canyonsdistrict.org.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Connect Canyons. Connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Canyons District or on our website, canyonsdistrict.org.